0: everyone. I'm Carrington Anderson. And I'm Laura Lee Harris. Welcome to the Chamber Beat Podcast. You can listen to this podcast on your favorite platform, so make sure to follow and subscribe to receive
1: notifications when we release our weekly episode. We will inform our members of the inner workings of Capitol Hill with updates on legislation tracked by the Chamber. Also, we will hear from legislators and decision makers who serve to make Tennessee an even better state to live and do business. Hey everyone,
0: we're really grateful that you all are here. And we have a special guest today, Michael Latito. He's co-chair of Littler's Workplace Policy Institute. If you were at our annual meeting, the afternoon programming, you would have heard him there. Again, he works with Littler and he gave us a really great labor update. He Littler is a chamber member and we work closely with them and are just really grateful for their partnership. Uh, They have offices all over the country, including Nashville. And we're looking forward to having him on the podcast today and getting to hear a little bit more from him. Thanks for
2: Hi, thanks for having me. I mean, after I spoke two times, uh, you know, in two consecutive days, I I thought you'd have enough of me. But here (laughs) I am again.
0: That's not the consensus. We've Hmm. had enough of you.
2: Well, Uh, thank you, everybody. It's nice to be with you. And we appreciate the partnership. We appreciate the friendship. And thanks very much for reaching out.
0: Great. So, can you kind of give us an update on the National Labor Relations Board? And one thing I'll add to that, we uh, saw that Deputy Secretary Julie Sue was confirmed this week. Is that correct?
2: Well, she hasn't been confirmed. She has been nominated in light of the fact that right. Secretary of Labor Walsh um, is leaving uh, the cabinet and uh, going to be the head of the uh, Hockey League's uh, Players Association. Um, the president yesterday uh, nominated um, his deputy, Julie Sue, to become the Secretary of Labor. Um, she had to be confirmed in the deputy role. That was a very close vote. Um, before uh, taking on that position, she was essentially the labor secretary in the state of California. Um, she has a um, reputation of being very aggressive, um, very interested in employee rights, very interested in individuals who don't otherwise have a voice um, and has done some very good things for individuals that have been marginalized or otherwise abused in the workplace. Um, but she's also somebody who's very progressive in supporting AB5. We're anticipating you know, the independent contractor rule coming out of the Department of Labor, uh, which is not gonna be friendly from an employer's perspective. Um, and there's a lot of issues around uh, Ms. Sue's um, competency because uh, while she was the uh, labor uh, person in California during the pandemic, there's about $30 billion of UI payments um, that went to, for example, individuals on death row. Um, And she did not um, implement any recommendations that a state auditor had recommended before the pandemic hit. So there's some real serious issues of competency um, and there's a number of associations that either have or will be coming out against her, and I'm anticipating that this is going to be um, a rather um, nasty fight uh, to see whether or not she gets confirmed. So that's uh, that's Julie Sue on the Secretary of Labor situation. And when I say yesterday, we're recording this on March one, um, so that uh, that nomination was February twenty eighth. Um, As far as the labor board is concerned, um, I think one of the highlights from the board is everybody should be cognizant of their joint employer rulemaking process Um, that is scheduled to be out um, in August. Um, I think it will be out in August because one of the board members, um, member Wilcox's term is up then, that would put the board down to three people. They're now at four, they're usually at five. So there's already a vacancy um and i think that the uh, the board will want to get that rule out i think that the employer community is not going to like that rule it's going to be make it more difficult for you to separate your relationships for example with staffing firms if you're in the franchise um uh, industry uh using that business model it's going to be highly problematic and the like so that's going to be something of concern and you know maybe we'll uh you know, do a webinar for you all when that rule comes out, because I think it'll be interesting. That'll probably be um, right around Labor Day. We can do a webinar and tell you about our Labor Day report and, and what we see happening and talk a little bit about the Labor Board. Actually, that's a pretty good thing to do. Let's, yeah, let's, I think
1: that's a great idea. Let's, that yeah, let's, great. let's put we'll get that, it on the books. <laughs> that's
2: right. That's right. For your listeners, that was not rehearsed. We just spontaneously did that. <laughs> um,
1: not
0: to cut you off, but also for anyone listening, Littler releases on Fridays some um, talking points and just notable news and notes about what's going on and encourage you all to subscribe to that. Cause it's really helpful information that I know we always really study and share with members as well. So you should subscribe to that as well.
2: Well, thanks for that plug. And, uh, um, and it's free. Um, and it unlike most things that are free that don't have any value, this actually does. Sometimes I wonder if we're a law firm or a publishing house, but I think we're actually both. The board, though, is, I think, consumed with issues um, that are coming before them as a result of their general counsel, Jennifer Abruzzo, who was the most consequential general counsel in the history of the board since 1935 when it was formed. Um, And she is pushing the envelope to reverse hundreds of years of precedent. Um, and pushing um, the, uh, the board to make rulings uh, that we've never seen, such as employers don't have the right to gather their employees together to talk about a union. Um, That's really
0: significant for the business community.
2: It's very significant for the business community. And, you know, you, the, the business community is probably picking up on the fact that uh, the PRO Act yesterday, February 28, was reintroduced. Um, there was a press conference um uh, And um, there's going to be a hearing uh, before the Senate Health Committee in the PRO Act on March 8. Um, the president of the team, Sir John O'Brien, the president of the SEIU, uh, Mary Kay Henry, and the president of the AFL-CIO, Liz Schuler, will testify along with former board member and former board chair John Ring, who just left the board a very short time ago. Um, that should be uh, quite the hearing, um, and. While the PRO Act is not going to become law, um, many of the things that are in the PRO Act, such as eliminating the right of free speech and uh, the like are things that general counsel is prosecuting before the board, uh, we're waiting for decisions to come down on them. Um, and uh, the employer community should pay attention uh, to what the NLRB is up to uh, because it's important. And when the employers say, I don't have to worry about that because I don't have a union, well, uh, the fact of the matter is, the board's rulings are way more consequential to those that do not have a union, um, especially in the areas of protected concerted activity and um, and organizational rights, uh, than it does, frankly, for for companies that have a union.
0: That's a great point. Uh, so that is kind of on a lower note. On a higher note, I want to bring up a bill that we've talked to you about that we do think um, is going to be significant for the business community. And that's Speaker Sexton's bill, the secret ballot incentive Senate bill, Senate bill 650, House bill 1342. Do you want to tell our members what the bill is and kind of some of the significance behind it?
2: Sure. As I understand it, um, what the bill will do, um, assuming it's passed and signed by the governor, is that when a company is seeking significant uh, taxpayer dollars as part of an incentive package to bring a business to Tennessee, expand a business in Tennessee, um, that as a condition of receiving that money, uh, they will have to agree that um, the employees will be um, organized through a secret ballot election. Um, and there's some other provisions, but that's the the major thrust of it. Um, and that's uh, different than you know what happens in states like uh, New York and New Jersey and others uh, that on these incentive package will also, will often insist on you know, project labor agreements or other kinds of neutrality agreements that will uh, generate uh, a much easier path for the union to be uh, successful in representing the workers. Uh, so Tennessee is the very first state um, in the country to consider uh, such a piece of legislation. Uh, the speaker, in my view, deserves a lot of credit. Um, as do uh, uh, several of all of the sponsors. Um, and um, I think that there's hearings scheduled on, on that bill um, shortly in, in both houses. And, you know, we'll see how that develops. But uh, this is a huge deal. And I think it's, uh, it's another way of Tennessee saying, as you said, with embracing uh, right to work as now part of your constitution, um, with some of the other great things that you do to attract business to the state, that you're very, very serious about employees that have the right to join or not join a union, that they should do so in a very informed way, and that they should utilize the same mechanism um, that we cherish in this country, a secret ballot. Um, uh, so that people can feel without intimidation, uh, that they can go and express their views, uh, which is far superior to signing a card when somebody's standing over your shoulder saying sign it. Um, so that's what the bill is about. And uh, again, I think it's groundbreaking. And I think assuming it's enacted, it's going to put Tennessee in a very desirable position with respect to attracting companies to continue to come and expand, which, of course, Tennessee uh, really knows how to do with uh, uh, with your economic development people. They do a great job. Yeah,
0: Knowing our low taxes and. Uh, this bill was ruled this past week, so it's going to be scheduled to be heard in the House next week, and we'll continue to update members on that.
1: Yeah, and we're definitely interested to see how that goes um, in the legislature. But work, the Littler Workplace Policy Institute also does a lot of work whenever it comes to workforce development, which our members certainly care a whole lot about. And would you want to touch on that a little bit and maybe um, just give some points on what you're here on the workforce front?
2: Yeah, we've been, uh, thanks for that. We've We've been involved with respect to workforce transformation now for it's coming up on a decade. I I named uh, a coalition after it uh, after my granddaughter Emma, uh, so we have the Emma Coalition that focuses on this. And then last year, um, in conjunction with the National Association of State Chambers, um, there's Workplace Policy Institute, the Emma Coalition. A report was issued um, after extensive. Um, evaluation and analysis of what all of the states are doing with respect to uh, workforce education, engagement and transformation. Um, Tennessee got very, very high marks in that report. Um, And now a group of us um, are gonna be meeting very soon, um, including um, uh, with your CEO um, and uh, some CEOs of some other key states like Mississippi uh, that very, very much get the fact that we're in the middle of an historic workforce transformation, uh, that the skills gap is is not something uh, that's that's just talked about, it's real. Um, And that if we don't um, really engage with a plan um, to figure out how we're going to convert a workforce uh, to have the skills of the 21st century, then we're not going to have a 21st century workforce. And if we don't have a 21st century workforce, then this century is not going to be America's next century. And that is what motivates me. That's what drives me, uh, because I'm not going to take the long dirt dirt nap thinking that my granddaughters are going to grow up in China's century. So really focusing on the importance of this issue, taking a leadership position. And once again, Tennessee in your chamber is doing exactly that um, so that people um, are emulating what it is that you're doing, um, I think is extraordinarily important. And it's another reason why companies want to come to Tennessee, um, because- It's easy to say we're going to put a building there and have all the building blocks in order to make this or do that. But if you don't have qualified workers, um, you're not going to be very successful at it. And the qualified worker of today may not be the qualified worker of tomorrow. Um, And so lifelong learning is something that everybody has to embrace. And these types of public partner public private partnerships are going to be absolutely critical in putting together that plan. And that's what we're going to be talking about. There's going to be a lot more about that um, um, in the days and months and, quite frankly, uh, the years to come. And that's really very exciting.
1: Yeah, well, we look forward to being a part of that conversation. And uh, just thank you so much for your passion and determination to make a difference in our workforce. Yeah. So, um, I think that's all we have for you, but really appreciate you joining us and being on and also being a member of the chamber and um, look forward to that webinar we're going to have around Labor Day. Yeah, so We'll yeah, keep everyone we'll updated.
0: Maybe having you on future podcast episodes as well. Yeah.
2: Well, we'll see what kind of ratings I get. but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Maybe sure they'll it'll be stop. through the roof. <laughs> Maybe the next time I'll have Emma with me and she can talk to you. She actually, though, she'll probably just send you a text because she's 11. Um, so that's what she does. But um, it's 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 always great to be with people um, that are um, pro-worker, um, pro-business, um, uh, pro-economic development, um, who understand those basic values, such as the values of the freedom to choose um, and the right to decide how you wish to be treated through a secret ballot. Um, It's nice to be with people like that that have those basic values. So thank you very much for letting us be part of this.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.